Hey family, I'm Mark and we are the Kinship Collective. We are ending otherness, celebrating our stories and reimagining scripture together. This week, we get to talk with Brian Tarada, who's an incredible friend, incredible human being. He shares his story of coming out, the difficulties, what it felt like of hiding some of the unhealth that happened in that journey and also the beauty of the people who came around him and supported him and loved him that he didn't expect. So he started an organization called Be Free to help people identify who is safe, who can I come out to as addicted, as queer, as an undocumented immigrant. And this has brought freedom and liberation to a bunch of people we talk about that and the power of community to help us be our true selves and then we talk about psalms 139 this beautiful declaration of belovedness and intention and then we talk about some of the complications about it you're gonna love it skip ahead to that part if you don't hear anything else i love brian's thoughts about that it's around minute 50 or so you'll love it You are welcome here. We can hold your story. We can't wait to hear your story. Here's Brian. Ladies and gentlemen, today from Oregon, from Portland, Oregon, my brother from another mother, Brian Tarada, who to me is a beacon of light and life and courage. Almost, I was going to say like liberty. Then I started to feel a conversation I had earlier today about kind of patriotism wrapped into like ugly things. Uh So I will say this beacon of liberation and light um, who started Be Free Stories, this space where people can share their stories, can come out. And in a month like this month around Pride Month, coming out in that way is really important. But I love how you've said come out as anything and i remember hearing stories about coming out as an undocumented immigrant and different kinds of ways that people have found themselves stuck in some sort of closet around some element of their identity and you have brought this space i love that you take this space to different places and invite people to say come to this space and a couple people are going to embody kind of coming out and sharing who they are vulnerability and we're going to invite you into that same kind of invulnerability you might want to do it from the stage you might want to do it from wherever you're at that's a really long mark talking brian welcome you can talk as long as you want i'm here to listen i'm here to receive it (laughs) um i need it i love it so yes thank you thank you i appreciate it it's it's a it's an honor to be here and you know just as you were talking I was just thinking like, God, I need this. <laughs> mm. I need some Mark. I need some, you know, just, you know, you're, you're, you are all those things that you just said about me and about be free. And, mm. you know, I, I, I just, I, I feel like I'm just this whole time. I'm just going to be gleaning off of your, your energy around <laughs> just like in your big smile and just like, Hey, you know, this is what we're about. This is what we do. This is why it's so important. And, you know, I feel like even just listening to that, like I'm excited to just talk through everything because it's been a year, Mm. you know, it's been quite a year and I, and so many things have been so thrown up in the air 
you know, we have had our feet on the ground in so many different ways leading up to this year, like society as a whole and individuals separately. And then like, I feel like everybody just got tossed. Everybody got tossed, including the whole basket. And so, you know, I feel like just listening to you talk about that even just now, and I'm excited to talk more about everything because it's like, oh, this is so grounding. And, you know, especially as things are maybe hopefully starting to come back to some sort of normalcy, mm-hmm. you know, and we're having our first Be Free Stories night this Sunday. I just feel like, oh my God, this is the best timing for me to sit down with Mark and like, just let's, let's, let's hone it in. Let's remind ourselves who we are, what we do. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh, come on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I, I want to get into what you just said about like the endurance of this year, but mm-hmm. I think you have shown endurance along your whole journey which is really interesting to me when I think about endurance and mm. pressure um, and the ways that we navigate that, it makes me think of your story of being in Christian world and growing awareness of yourself, growing awareness of who you are and who you're attracted to and the, and the pressure of that. I guess just like, the way that 2020 and COVID felt pressurized and it kind of like bubbled up a lot of things that were already there. It makes me think of the ways that you have endured maybe pressure and the ways that that bubbles up what is there also, Hmm. which isn't a really a direct question. No, no. So go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, so take me back to college and how did that pressure feel? Because I'll say one thing for me, one of the quotes that you have always said, and you put it on your Instagram this year, about that letter that you sent your friends, the select friends about coming out, but the pressure and you said, if you don't fully know me, then you can't fully love me, you're loving a caricature of me, you're loving my representative, my maybe Christian bubble representative. Hi, I'm, I'm Brian's Christian bubble representative. When you think about being in college and, and that pressure, what, what comes to mind? What do you feel? What do you think? Well, I, I think that there's a pressure to fit in Um, and to meet expectations and there's all these benchmarks that we all have put on us that we need to fulfill at certain points in our life and I would say like some are good and healthy and others not so much Um, and you know I, I remember getting to college I remember kind of like dreading even going to college because I was just thinking like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to, to get by with just like not dating anyone and having not, and and having people not question me or like wonder about me. That was like the scariest thing is that people are just going to look at me and be like, what's going on over there? Like, I feel like there's something more going on than he's letting on. And I, and people would probably have a good idea of what it was. And 
I say, I remember getting into college and just kind of feeling like, how much longer can I keep this up? And, you know, I had tried to date girls in high school and I tried to date uh, like maybe like one girl in college. And just, you know, of course, there's nothing there. And yeah, and then that pressure that I had kind of just suppressed for so long, pretended like it wasn't there because, you know, I grew up happy and I was able to grow up happy even though I was hiding something really big because I was able to suppress it so much and like only think about it when I wanted to or it's just like this thing that I wasn't dealing with, which I still do with so many other things. But mm. uh, yeah, I it got to this point where like when I met Ryan my sophomore year and like I realized like oh my god like I'm I'm actually falling in love right now with someone who who was not falling in love with me like the fact that he wasn't falling in love with me just like pierced through this emotional bubble that I was protecting myself with and popped it and then all of a sudden all those things that I was suppressing all that pressure to fit in to find someone to marry and start a family in my Christian college all that was just like thrown straight in my face. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have that barrier anymore. And it was because of like the pain of him not loving me back that like all those things just rose to the surface. Like you just said. And, um, and that pressure, I couldn't, I couldn't run from it anymore. It was just, there's just right there. It's like, Oh my God, I, I'm supposed to be something that I can't be. Um, yeah. Very scary. Very scary. Was it was it that pressure? Interesting to me when you talked about the pain and how pain pain definitely pushes us sometimes where we need to be. It doesn't allow us to stay where we are for sure. Mm -hmm. It kind of just provokes us and pushes us. So that pain, that pain uh, of Ryan not loving you back and being in such close proximity and just like the oh in my mind just the disappointment like it's almost like like you just know that's never gonna happen that thing is not happening oh man like that makes me i feel for that right now so is that the pressure that says okay no more pretending i where do you go from there uh i go into like a year and a half of like or like two years I go into two years of just still trying to run but it's not working anymore two years of like okay now I love him and now he's falling in love with his girlfriend and now like I can't see him anymore and now I have an eating disorder and I like can't take care of myself and um I hate my life for two years in college it's crazy it's crazy because when I look at when I, I look back at college, I really do look back so fondly. But like there were half of it was hell. And um, and so that pain drove me to this two-year period of just agony, which sucks to think about. Like that's two years just not gone, but just so unnecessarily painful um and then after that it was well you know what the thing that that drove me out of it was um 
my junior year, at the end of my junior year, which is about a year and a half into this really dark period of my life, I was hired to be the community advisor in the in Smith, in the all guys dorm to go back because I was an RA there my sophomore year. It was the best thing ever. And then I was I was RA out in, in the apartments and then I couldn't believe that like I was in this terrible state and I still was being trusted to go be with, you know, 200 freshman guys fresh out of their homes for the first time out on their own. And I was going to be the person that they looked to. I was going to, I was going to be the person that like they, um, yeah, like I was the senior with <laughs> them as freshmen. And like, I, like, I swear to God, like, I remember being a freshman looking at seniors and be like, there's nobody cooler in the whole world. And, and I was like, that's going to be me. And I can't do it like this. And although I, I really don't feel like I'm worth it to make any changes and get any better, uh, they are. They mm-hmm. deserve better than this. And um, that, I was like, I don't want to have another shitty year as someone who's supposed to be like healthy and looking after them, um, basically. And so the first, the thing that I knew I had to do was I had to tell, I had to tell Ryan what was going on and why I stopped being friends with him. I knew that was the first thing I had to do to like start getting better. Hmm. That's, that's what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't immediate, you know, all that pain and pressure drove me to just like isolation and um, just the, what I'm trying to think of the word, like the oblivion. Is that the right word? That can be a word. Oblivion. No, like the, like the void. I don't know. Like just Mm. gone. And, um, Mm. And then getting hired for that job, I, I knew that like, hey, if I if I don't have enough motivation to get better on my own, let's let them be the motivation because they deserve better than this. That feels uh, really interesting to me and inspiring to think about some of the ways where an expectation or the community around us pulls us towards where we want where we need to be sometimes we can't see without them sometimes other people are seeing it for us but what you're saying is like your heart for these young men drove you became a motivation to be like i want to be better for them right with them on their behalf they deserve better which is interesting to me as a parent i think like yeah i think similarly about my daughters and in the ways that my unhealth may bubble through like yo i want to be better for them i want to be healthier for them being better so i could do better but that's that's a that's a beautiful and i think really important thing yeah i mean it's hard i feel like it's hard for me to be super super motivated just by my own benefit you know it's like hey yeah, I don't know. I'm just I just don't get that excited about like making myself like into a uh like a a bigger better thing or making myself healthy or whatever. Like I I draw a lot of motivation on like how if I'm better then I'm better for other people. Mm-hmm. 
which is a timely thing to remember right now, I feel like. Yeah, I, when you talked about that invitation to, to be this leader for these younger men, it made me think of, oh, this is the beginning of one of the beginnings. I'm sure there's even more when you're a little, little boy, but I think, oh, Brian is affirmed in his ability to cultivate community. And Brian starts cultivating spaces. That's interesting. Like you're cultivating a space for young men to kind of transition into who they are becoming. And, and the process of being invited into that is inviting Brian into deeper levels of authenticity and truth for himself, for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it, it feed, they feed into each other. And God, like just hearing you say that is so like I was just saying earlier, like it's so timely to have this conversation with you. Like, you know, after this crazy year, you know, I feel like, hmm. you know, that is who I am. And mm. and like I need that. I need to hear that from you, you know, because it's been so long. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of my favorite feelings in the world is the feeling that you have when you know you're in the exact right place that you're meant to be. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm sure you felt that many times, like when the first time you've held each of your kids or like when you got married, <laughs> or, you know, in a specific role at a job or something like that. And for me, the first time I really felt that was like actually leading wildlife in middle school. And I remember I went to like a couple um, or when I was in high school is leading wildlife. I remember I went to a couple wildlife uh, events and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't, how do I get the, the kids to like, like me? And then we went, we did laser tag. And then like the, for the first time at laser tag, like I just remember like these three kids, like they came up to me and started talking to me and I could tell they were like gravitating towards me. I was like, Oh my God, like, this is it. This is, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. My mm. high school, like, I don't need to be anywhere else right now. Wow. And um, and then yeah, I think I think I really felt that again when I was a RA my sophomore year with the with my hall and you know how I got to lead them. And um I felt it when I came out. I feel it with be free. And um I feel like I'm always chasing after that feeling. Yeah. That's a yeah. that's an interesting and beautiful thing to remember. I think what's interesting when you say that to me, it makes me start to think about, okay, where am I feeling that even now? Like where where how, where does the community and the the surroundings make me feel maybe most myself and most at home and most purposeful? That's really an interesting kind of metric of like where I'm supposed to be. Right. And I like for you, when you're sitting in this place after 2020, when you talked about like, yo, this has been a year because you're built, you're passionate, right? You've talked about like how much community around you and your motivation, like how you are and who you are is motivated, your ability to serve others, your ability to be with others and to feel the purposefulness of like how you're leveraging your experiences to help so many other people after a year where you're like half the year you're trying to survive then you're trying to innovate and create digital spaces to do the same things but now to be on 
the eve of like, ah, we're back. We're back doing the way we felt it before. Mm-hmm. That feels really, really important. Yeah. And and I feel like during this time of things coming back, it's like, oh, you reminded of all that you've been missing. Like we were watching uh, one of the Mm. games the other night and I was like, the stadium was full (laughs) and it was weird. But the thing that the weirder thing was the fact that it was weird. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's weird to see that there's so many people. It's like a little scary. And it's like, but the scarier thing is that that is scary because yeah. that is so normal. And now it's a scary thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's as weird. And yeah. we've, we've been afraid of other people. We've been afraid of everyone else hmm. over a year when we need other people. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we need oh. each other. Yeah, that makes me think of all the, I don't want to call it trauma, but I just think about yeah. the, the ways that people's issues have been bubbling up through COVID. And you're just like, you know, early on, nobody knows what's happening. And there's so much fear and paranoia. You're kind of stuck. So you don't have like, we go back to what you talked about, like the motivation of community around you to help you provoke you to become your best self. And then to just be stuck with all of your own unhealth bubbling through, but not have the community aspect to help you discover that Mm -hmm. or to help you name it or to help you own it or hold it and work through it and release it or transform it. That's a really, really tough thing. But I love that for you, you become a beacon of that community creating spaces for people to own it and hold it which is really interesting because to me i don't know the trajectory the hope that for be free but you're not like okay this isn't the place where we're going to work through it all i have partners i know people who can help you work through it all but i want to help you hold it and own it Mm. and i want to equip people to help hold you and own you or be with you in all of this that's a really important thing yeah, well, I think like I just want to expose people to I just want to expose people to the possibility and the idea that we're holding in so much more than we realize. And it's way more damaging than we realize. And it's so it it's so humanizing and liberating to let those things go and to just say, like, I don't the fact that I'm hiding these things isn't helping. And, and even, even if I let these things out and there is some rejection or there are some haters, like that's better than hiding it. You know what I mean? That like, then you can just say like, well, I don't care what you have to say. And that empowers you to, to grow more into who you are as opposed to hiding all that's there. And I don't think, like, I really don't think people understand most people. I really don't think most people understand just how, how limiting it is to our potential as people. That feels so important, Brian, that reminder about um, the 
the effects like we don't we're not aware of all the effects of what it means to hold in because when you're earlier when you're sharing about being closeted and feeling closeted you also talked about oh but that was one of the things that wasn't all the things <laughs> and for me when i heard you say that it was that reminder that like one courageous step leads to another so when i come out as whatever i need to do whatever this level is there'll be new more and more levels of transparency and authenticity but until i take like that first step i can't take the next ones because i'm still kind of holding it all in i just imagine like even my own self just like holding it in and you the you release one thing you still got other stuff to hold in you keep releasing and working through shoot until you're holding yourself hugging yourself your truest self which i just feel like there's always life is going to keep giving us stuff to hold mm -hmm. and how much are we how how good have we become at releasing letting go giving to others um transforming all that kind of stuff it's that's really interesting I really appreciate you sharing that. It's really important. So you have created Be Free Stories, this space for people to learn to do that. Can you share more about that? And share more about where it came from, the yeah. beginning. Yeah, so so Be Free, um, I came out my senior year of college. And actually, like my best friend that I was in love with, um, he helped me come out. So I, I told him, like I was saying earlier, I finally told him what was going on going into our senior year he ended up just being like basically like the guide to help me come out, come out we would meet up every week for like two three hours late at night around campus and just like talk through everything and try to figure it out and he kept saying he literally said I want you to be free he would say that to me and I knew what he meant but I hated it like the idea I just dreaded it I, I didn't want it I knew what he meant and I knew he was right but I was like I can't do that I can't be free and and then finally 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 it just got to the point where at the end of my senior year a whole year after i told him what was going on that i i did i was able to do it and i, I wrote on a a little uh paper like my name is brian Torada and i'm gay all i want to do with my life is show people god's love and if i can do that by sharing my story then i'm going to share it and then another friend of mine helped me like walk well actually like like 13 of my best friends came over to my dorm that night and um it, it was april 16th 2013 and uh they came over and we like prayed in my dorm room and then they did like a prayer walk around the dorm and around the campus and and then like just after midnight um one of my best friends nikki helped me walk it out to the the door of discussion like this like public like board where you could post things announcements and stuff and we put it up and he helped me like pin it up and everything. And, and then <clears throat> the next day, uh, I went to chapel and then I like, just had to get away from camp. I just remember the, the, the person speaking just said like, whatever you're going through, just know that God loves you. Like, just know that whatever. And I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, Oh my God, everyone's going to walk out of chapel right now and see this. And then, um, I left, I went rock climbing. Um, for a few hours and put my phone away. And when I got back to my phone, I just remember like my lock screen just being full of messages and like my Facebook and Instagram and um, people 
or saying like, where are you? I want to find you. I want to hug you. I, I like, I need to see you. I love you. And I couldn't believe it because up until that point, I felt like if my truth were ever out there, it would make me untouchable, like physically untouchable. So for people to say, I want to hug you. Like, I want to touch you. I want to connect with you. I have more of you to love now. Uh, it was surprising. And I realized there were a lot more safe people to come out to than, than I knew, than I was aware of. And so a few years later, after I wrote like a whole audiobook on this experience and the story, I, um, I was finishing up that, that book and I, uh, I was like, what's next? And I realized like, be free, be free, be free. Like I, I, I thought about when I came out and I thought about how I didn't, I was unaware of all these safe people to come out to. And so I thought about all the people who are still in the closet and don't know the safe people that they can come out to. And I was like, well, how do I help them know who they can come out to? How about we make shirts that say be free on them and tell everyone that if you're wearing a be free shirt, it means you're a safe person to come out to. And, and so that's what I did. And, you know, put the shirts out and, um, you know, I started hearing stories of people saying like, I was literally wearing a shirt and like, I told someone what it meant after they asked and then they like came out to me and like, you know, I start hearing these stories and it's like, that's exactly like, I want this symbol, this logo to be a, an instigator of liberating experiences and conversations everywhere that the person wears it. Mm. And, um, and then about six months after we started the shirts, we started having be free stories nights and, you know, it 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 just kind of like you could tell people were craving it and that was five years ago and um which is just crazy but like it's just like people actually show up people want to sit in a circle and listen to other strangers share their stories of finding freedom and it's just like oh my god we don't have these spaces in public like we had them i had them in college like we would do this all the time in college and i remember it being so beneficial and i feel like ahead because that was like basically the the focal point of my college education was my emotional development and the the value of breaking down barriers and telling our stories to each other and really authentically connecting in those ways and so I felt like now I've been taught this, I've been taught the value of it. How, how can I bring this into the world? And I guess that was how, how it happened. Um, and now it's still happening. And um, yeah, the Be Free Stories Nights are just events where anyone can come and share a part of their story, maybe where they found freedom, maybe where they're still looking for freedom, which there's been plenty of people sharing stories like that. Like, I'm still looking for freedom. I don't feel free. And like, even that is you know, paradoxically speaking, a liberating experience just to tell other people like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I still don't feel free, like coming out like that, you know? Um, <clears throat> yeah. So the first one was in like the beginning of 2017. And then uh, we, we've, we've had like over 40 since just like up and down the West coast, a few on the East coast um, and partner, we've been able to partner with large organizations big companies i don't know how but like you know lululemon a bunch of times lululemon really kickstarted it 
we held one at Johnny's coffee shop mantra and Azusa. Like that's where the first store, the first party was. We had uh also a beef restores night there, like out on the deck. And then um I remember we had that first stories night at, at Mantra on the deck and some of my new coworkers at Lululemon came and my manager was there and she's like, we need to do this at the store. And that just opened the gates. Like we've had tons of, tons of beef restores nights at different Lululemons. Um, and, you know, that really gave us the opportunity to say like, hey, we can partner with anyone. And so we have, and the, the, you know, it's cool to see like these corporations uh, support something that that I believe in and that I believe it really is so important. I love, you know, you're sharing about collaboration, but cultivating. I also love hearing about the humble beginnings and the journey The journey of kind of getting to this place yeah just following the momentum which i really really appreciate oh yeah man like whoever wants to support this you do it like it's not me and it's not it's this is, it's not even limited to be free you know i think it also helped me to see like how are how is this being brought about in other ways? I, and, um, you know, I, I see it. I, it's just so cool to see it in different people and different mediums. And like, you know, I see it in you. Um, I, I see it in a lot of different, like different kinds of art, especially music. Um, I, I just feel like there's this huge craving towards just like everybody just being able to be free and be themselves and tell the truth and not have to hold anything back and still be loved and accepted for all who they are. I mean, there's a huge craving for it and there's this just weird resistance to it. And uh, mm, mm, I, mean, I guess I understand why there's a resistance to it because yeah, if you put yourself out there, you can be hurt. But how much are you hurting by keeping it in? Mm. I love um <laughs> I love that you talk about that craving and I love to me that the through line that I'm hearing is that like you are personally craving to be known and accepted you felt there was so much fear and it was all kind of self-generated of like I don't know how people are going to take this people won't even want to touch me to then experiencing this overwhelming love towards you then you saying like every other people need this and following like creating this pathway for people to take those steps of authenticity to say like this is how i need to come out today here so you you make that move and you keep making moves following the momentum and here you are to me that reminds me of a scripture what does it mean to be known and it's david writing and to me when i think about david i think about the failures uh i think about yeah i was reading earlier uh, a brother on the east coast was talking about um he just framed it so differently about what happened with him and bathsheba right this kind of sexual assault or just come over i have all the power you come over here 
Um, so David, this king, um, has his own issues that he's holding in. He can't be known. And now I'm imagining David, the teenager, the pressure. He was kind of discarded from his family. But anyway, he's writing in this moment. He's writing about what it means to be known by God inside himself. And so I'm going to read it, and then we'll kind of talk about it. You tell me what stands out to you. Um, this is from Psalms chapter 139. I'm going to read a bunch of it, not normal, just because I think it gets into this thing of like, what does it mean to be known? How known actually even are we? Um, this is David. David says, oh, Yahweh, you have searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down. You know, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from way afar. You search out my path, my lying down. You're acquainted with everything within me. Even before a word is on my tongue. Oh, Yahweh, you know it all. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is just too wonderful for me. It's high, and I can't attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I run from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand leads me and your right hand holds me. If I say, surely darkness will cover me and the light will be around me in the nighttime, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day for darkness is as light with you. You formed my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows this so well my frame was never hidden from you when i was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth your eyes saw my unformed substance everything in me in your book was written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them, how precious are your thoughts of me, oh God, how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they're more than the sand, and I wake up and I'm still with you. That's Psalms 139, 1 through 18. Today, when you hear that, on the back end of a shitty year, opening up into a now reality, a new now, what stands out to you? Well, I feel like, I feel like hearing it now, it sounds like such a, a declaration of like truth about your, like an affirmation, like a self-affirmation and, and obviously talking about like how 
how God made us. And it's like, oh, this is like, how could I think any less of myself if this is where I come from? You know, um, and, and to think of like everything, everything about you was like thought of and carefully planned out and stitched together. And um, to think that is just crazy because there's so many things that we get down on ourselves for or we get down on other people for. And then to be like, oh, wait, you know, to hear that, it's like, no, like everything is meant to be there <laughs> and and all the more so loved because if the creator created it the creator loves it and everything about it who are we to say anything is unlovable uh and and it just kind of feels like a, yeah a declaration of the identity of like who we are and where we come from uh which I, you know, I feel like the worst things in humanity come out when we forget that. Whoa. <laughs> that last part about the worst part of humanity comes out when we forget who we are, where we come from, the yeah. essence of who we are. Or where other people come from, you know, same place. And like you yeah. say in the mm. beginning, like this is about eliminating otherness. Mm -hmm. And if this is this scripture i feel like is a uniting thing if, if that is that's true about all of us you know how can we say that somebody else isn't worthy of love somebody else isn't accepted here because of something about them if it's true about all of us hmm. i love that <laughs> thinking through I mean, this truth back to, I guess there's a, there's several thoughts for me, but I think one of the most important for me today is that for me, I feel like there are spaces within me where I'm juggling, like how much of me is this, um, knit together, woven, wonderful masterpiece kind of deal, um, formed and knit together fearfully and wonderfully made and how much of me is a reaction to my own life or the things that I've been through. I think for me lately, I, I've just been wrestling through mm -hmm. some certain personality things and it's not like character faults or anything like that. I'm like, yo, you, why are you acquiescing? Like, why are you, you're real quick to like put somebody else first for me. And it comes from my journey, my own story. And while trying to like be faithful and, and try to innovate and, and be faithful to the kinship collective, there's parts of me where I'm like, you, you're not behaving in a way I want you to. And it makes me question like, how much of this is me, actual me, and how much of this is a reaction to my story and the things that I've been through. But also, when I think about this, uh, when I've when I've taught this passage sometimes to teens in the past, I I like to think about or to to throw out the idea that like the creator who 
who knows yesterday and tomorrow and forever, like designed you for your path. So you were like, your sick sweatshirt, it's like very thoughtfully designed. And, you know, it's not designed for like a hot summer day It's designed for or maybe it is maybe it's a little more airy or whatever. But everything that we wear, it's it's designed with a thought in in and a plan and a purpose. And I'm not trying to get into all that theologically speaking, but I think about like you were designed for your story. You were designed for the steps that you took. You come from your mother and your father's DNA. You as do I. And so for me today to settle in and just to be like, I was made and built for my journey. It's just a, it's a helpful reminder. And I love that David got to assert this on the heels of, of his own disappointing himself on the heels of not living into his own version, his own vision for himself. He sat down and reminded himself. I like that you talked about that this declaration to self you are fearfully and wonderfully made and he said i am there's exclamation points all over this bad boy i am fearfully and wonderfully made and when i think about our like queer sisters and brothers or people who are holding these parts of their identity wounds things that need to be transformed man what if we could begin at this point I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And back to what you said about remembering, it's almost like sometimes the things that are incongruent with that, they do need to be transformed or changed, or they're like an adaptation. They're not really who we are. So I, to me, that's, those are some things that stand out, some reminders, but I really love that. We get to declare it. Every day, like we could wake up and be like, yo, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you ever feel like there's a, there was like a, a, a point in your life where you realize that like, oh, wait, there is no buddy different from me. It, like, like for me, it's really clear. I mean, like I grew it specifically, it, re it revolves around being gay because my whole life I thought like it was wrong it was wrong it was wrong until my senior year of college and then like for the first time I heard someone say my roommate say like God doesn't love you despite the fact you gave he loves you because you are like what nobody has ever said that how is that even possible no way no way I thought that that scripture that you just read could be true for me except for this except for this one thing but it's like no it doesn't say that it says everything about me was thought of worthy of love fearfully wonderfully made stitched together in your mother's womb like every little piece and yeah like that's when it broke open for me i feel like was like oh wow, we've been thinking about this way in way too limited of a way. There's no limit to love. There's no limit to God. God is love. There's no limit to that. <laughs> what, um, do, do you feel like there was a point in your life where that broke open for you or has you just always been like that? Yeah, no. Um, I think for me, 
when you say that we're all the same, I think I, don't, I think it's always been a, a, a baseline belief for me. I think some of it comes from the ways that my mother treated people and the ways that my mother treated people that, you know, other people would think you don't treat those people that way. So she would just care and show dignity and love for drug addicts in my neighborhood. She would go out of her way. She would buy groceries. She would take them to donate blood so that they could get money from their plasma so that they could buy groceries and probably buy drugs. But she just loved them with dignity. And so she just lived in this way that said every single person is worthy of love. So I think that that was like a base note that was just kind of part of how I was raised. And then for me, I feel almost embarrassed to say this, but like for me in seminary, as I started to really dig into some scriptures, like right now I'm thinking of Luke 14 and Jesus is sitting at this party and there's all these like, it's almost like he goes to the Grammys and he's around all these people and he's kind of like, all right, I'm here. You invited me, so I'm here. And then he starts telling the story about like, this is where we sit. You should never try and put yourself in this position. Like let other people elevate you. You don't fight for elevation all the time. And then some smart aleck guy is like, well, I mean, who's even invited anyway? Like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And then Jesus tells a story about everyone is invited. And he says, well, there was this one, there was this one king who invited people and then they didn't come. So then he said, go out and get everybody, go outside the city gates, go down into another, go into the streets, which was like, <gasps> people around are like, you mean those people are invited? And for me, that kind of was like, oh, there, there is no those people. There is just everyone, every single one is invited. But, you know, I, I just... I do think that there is a, it's not that like we don't have things to grow in or mature in. So I, I think, you know, when we talk about like every single piece of us is knit together, there are pieces of us that have adapted to trauma. There are pieces of us that need to be worked through in therapy. There might be ways that our brain functions that needs medicine to regulate. We may need EMDR therapy. So to restructure the ways that our pathways and neurotransmitters are like our, our serotonin reuptake inhibitors. It's like we, we need, there are some things that need to be adjusted. Like there are some ways that we have adapted to being in this world. And maybe like when I think about sin, right? And everybody, you know, I, I, sin, when I think about like, the disruption to shalom in our bodies and in our beings and in our story it's like to be a person of color in the united states right let's look back we got generations of trauma to be queer in the united states generations of trauma to be woman in the united states generations of trauma and oppression and suppression and repression <laughs> So when I think about sin, it's like the disruption, the culpable, palpable disruption of wholeness and shalom. Those are things that really affect us. And we do need 
transformation. We do need God's love, but we also need community. Like you've, you have created, like you have embodied in your story. There are people around us, people to help guide us, people to prescribe for us. There are ways that people to normalize prescriptions for us and therapy, all the other things to, to normalize confession and the openness of like, this is where I just don't feel congruent with who I was knit together to be. I have adapted to my story with this addiction, with this eating. I don't even want to call it a disorder. I'm gonna call it this eating self-medication mechanism. I've adapted to, so to, to me, I think it's important because we're not just going to point at every single thing in everybody's life and be like, knit together. Oh, stop it. Super angry all the time. Knit together. Right. Stop it. Super racist. Psh, knit together in your mind. Ah. Mm -hmm. It's like, there are some ways that we need growth and maturity, but without community, or sometimes we're just in like this super um homogeneous community that all thinks the same way and that's not helpful either because it's like oh you hit your kids oh well, I'm, I'm thinking specifically like i was in a conversation with a parent and it's like yo i came from this background where like everybody in our community treated our treated their children poorly and it was like abuse but nobody called it that so so nobody was calling the spade a spade we're not talking about that when we talk about like knit together <laughs> so to bring it back to that it's just like there are things that we're invited into healing mm -hmm. transformation so yes yeah oh agreed agreed <laughs> i agree 100 percent. yeah and i you know just the same thing like my own experiences like there's things there's things about me or or yeah like experiences i've had or time you know periods of time in my life where it's like yeah like this isn't it <laughs> you know what i mean like this way yeah. of thinking this way of behaving this this is not it this is not what i was fearfully and wonderfully made into doing this is where i'm i i need to get back to like that feeling again of like this is exactly where i am supposed to be and who i am and i'm doing that and i'm being that um and and I, I agree I think that's what I think that's what sin is it's it's when we're we're letting these other things take away or or distract us or move us away from what we were made to be Ugh, I'm gonna give you another one of the <laughs> black a little black church Ugh. you know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying oh man but I think it got hijacked. The, the concept of sin got hijacked and it started being used as a way to control other people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which to me is just so incongruent with who God is. Back to like this loving creator, cherishing, enjoying creator, mm -hmm. inviting us into the fullness of who we are within the fullness of like awareness of who God is within ourselves, within our neighbor, to be able to look at somebody else's story and hold it with love and be like, yo, I'm a safe person to tell your story to. Whatever that story entails. Like I, I, know, I know my own story, I've held my own story. So I know what it means to be, to feel trapped in whichever ways you're feeling trapped. Right. 
to feel like you got to keep stealing the adrenaline of whatever that is. You got to keep lying. You're just for no reason, whatever the like thing is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing to me is when you are able to be in relationship with other people with no, what's the term? Like holds bar. Is that the term? Yeah. 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 Complete kind of transparency, vulnerability. Right. Like I don't have to hold anything back because I trust you and I trust that the more you know of me, it'll just give you more to love as opposed mm. to the more you know of me, the greater risk I'm, I'm, I'm taking. Yeah. So it's like, no, like the more you know of me, the better, the, the, the more free we can be with each other, the more free we are, period. I, I love that because I, when I think about that and I think about who you are and I think about we create that reality too because we don't know. We need somebody to say to like be first. We need somebody to go first and be like, I'm not exactly who I want to be yet. I'm not fully who I want to be. I'm on this journey still. I'm still growing and learning. But in, all that to, to me, it's like we we need people to show us. And when, when we choose to be vulnerable and when we choose to be candid or take a risk and to confess something that feels really scary, we're creating a world where people can do that. We are showing the people around us, I trust you. I, I, it's almost like back to what you said about like, how can you fully love me if you don't fully know me? But when I make myself fully known to you, I'm inviting you to fully love me. So you can't fully love me or fully know me until I take the risks to be fully known. So we're creating that reality by being vulnerable. Yeah, I got to me for coming out specifically, got to the point where it was like, I'm behaving in a way where I'm assuming how other people are going to treat me and it was like although I have plenty of evidence that says that like this is how you'll treat me like it's still kind of unfair like how about I actually give the people in my life an opportunity to love me and see what they do then I can operate off of actual reality not just off of an assumption of of how they'll react and you know fortunately for me most of the people who I gave that opportunity to and continue to give that opportunity to um, it turns out well some people not so much but at least I can now operate in accordance with reality as opposed to what I think might happen wow the other yeah. thing is that I was thinking about when you were talking is that's the power that we every single person carries around with them we mm -hmm. all carry the power every single day in every interaction to liberate each other. We all mm. carry it. Like you, every single person can help another person with, with three things that they need to feel free. And that's to be seen, heard, and loved because of all of it. And, and you can take five seconds, you can take an hour, or you can take a lifetime with you know your partner or whatever to constantly be seeing other people, hearing other people, 
asking them questions, learning about their story, knowing what's going on with them. And it doesn't mean that you have to give them advice. It doesn't mean that you have to give them answers. Just the fact that they know that you know what they're going through and what they're thinking and feeling about is just such a relief. Mm -hmm. It's, it makes you feel so much less alone. It's like, Oh, at, like at least someone else knows what I'm going through. At least someone else knows me and they still are here for me. Like that was the worst. Like those two years in college were awful. I also went through another like two years of like agony up until last summer. It was like 20 summer, 2018 to summer, 2020, just like, Oh, hated my life. And it was again about heartbreak. And I just remember the difference being from between the first one and the second one being that the first one, nobody knew. And I had to go through it completely alone. And then this time I could talk about it. And even though I still had the pain there, at least I could lighten the load. At least I, I was able to, I could be seen and heard and loved through it. At least that was there. And that made it, that it, it, as unbearable as it was, it made it more bearable. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to carry this alone. And mm-hmm. we can do that for other people. We can, a lot of times people are afraid to share something with other people because they don't want to be a burden. But then if your best friend is going through something, how much so do you want them to tell you what they're going through? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be burdened by it. Yeah. Me, when someone opens up to me about something like that, like it's, it's almost like it fills me up. I'm like, oh, you trust me. You love me. And yes, I'm here to see and, and, and hold you and help you and just know that you're going through this with you. Mm. We can carry all these things together and lighten the load for each other. Mm. hold each other mm-hmm. just kind of hold each other through those hard times that feels really powerful and through just through life yeah mm-hmm. and like yeah to me it just feels like that that the hiding and the like it's almost just the ways that we are trying to navigate it all alone and we're not built for that <laughs> we're built for community built to be known we deeply want this, you know, this declaration is, is, I want to be known in my, in my innermost parts. I want to be thought about. I want to be seen for exactly who I am. I want people to understand the ways that I'm built, the ways that I'm knit together and the things I've been through. So it's, it's really important and it can happen without courage and vulnerability. And like, we have to get those reps of like having each other's back. Yes. And I think that there's also this like norm to only do that with one person to only do it with your partner to only be completely open and vulnerable be seen and heard by that one person and i think that puts way too much pressure on one relationship like Mm -hmm. you need a community of course you have that one person that you know you're intimate with and they do probably know you better than anyone else but but you have to extend that into your your community it has to be a commune communal effort of caring mm-hmm. one another because sometimes you go through something in your relationship and you need someone outside of it to carry it with you mm-hmm. and then how that that is helps your relationship i think that like when you have these communities like that'll help the relationship too 
help you and your relationship, take some pressure off of it, help you get some perspective on it. And I just think it's like, there's this lie that like only this one person can really know all these things about you. It's like, no, like talk to someone else about your finances <laughs> and how you're stressed about it. Oh, or whatever. Yeah. Like talk to someone else about like the ways you want to get better or things you're working on or things you're struggling mm. with or thinking about talk to someone else, talk to 20 other people about it. Like what, there's no limit. There's no limit to love. We can have love outside of a, you know, romantic partnership. A lot of love. There's a lot of love there. And we still have it there, of course. And that's important and valuable and terrific, but it doesn't stop there. I really love that. I feel challenged like by you saying that. And I'm glad that you said that because I'm like, yo, there's, I need that. Like I need to not try to be so, because I don't think it's strong. It's perception. It's not about like, I'm strong enough to handle all this. It's like, yo, I don't want to be seen like I don't have it all together, Ugh, but yeah. I don't. <laughs> and I, and the more that that's known and the more that I can like be free in that and just be open, the more that I will experience freedom in that. And the more that I'll experience being held in community around me, loving and caring for me and being able to be like, yeah. And most of the times like me too which I think is really, really important. Yep. Be yeah. Yes. We feel this pressure to like, uh, you know, with our different families to have our families look a certain way to other families or people. And I just, and then I feel like that puts so much pressure on just like that family unit <laughs> to perform. And that's mm. not what it's about. <laughs> no, just be, be free. Yeah. Be free. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. That's just like a thought that I always have. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. I think it's really mature and it's, it's, I'm, it's really helpful. <laughs> it shouldn't, it shouldn't be because even that, like, it's almost like there's a tendency to hide that. So in this place, I'm going to try and be vulnerable, but in every other space, I'm going to pretend then how exactly, like, how can I practice pretending for 23 hours out of the day and then try to be vulnerable in one hour out of the day with this one person it's like, I'm, I'm not, there's not congruence, there's not truth or like the, the authenticity both ways. I'm practicing hiding so much. How can I be? It's just, it's, I'm over practicing hiding and not practicing enough authenticity. I love that. Brian Tarada, yeah. how can people continue to like hear more of your story? Brian, some, a lot of Brian's stories on YouTube. You can follow him on YouTube, subscribe, yeah. smash that subscribe button. Smash that subscribe <laughs> button down below. Hit that like button. Oh, man. Write a comment. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. How, so how can people get connected to you and to be free? Yeah, well, like I said, I'm on all the platforms, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Um, be free is on Instagram. Befreestories.com is the website. To find out about upcoming events. Yeah, we have one coming up on Sunday. Um, I don't know when this is coming out, but um, there'll be more. And then uh, let's see what else. I'm on Spotify. You can listen to my music on Spotify. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, that's about it. Hit me up. That's let's, awesome. Let's hang out. Brian, 
Come on. I, I so appreciate who you are and the community cultivator you are and the ways that you're inviting, the ways that you invited me today to be more free, the ways that our conversation, like the mutuality of that, the fact that like us having a conversation reminds you to be free. Yeah. And it reminds you of how many people have encountered freedom because of you being faithful to what your roommate told you about being free. So thank you, Brian, for that. And listeners, like we celebrate Brian and the things that Brian is doing, because the things that you're doing are just as celebratable, whether you're at home and the ways that you are loving your children, like your commitment to growth. Um, that's so interesting to me, the ways that you're committed to your own growth, it changes the world, the ways that you show up. So as you are taking vulnerable steps to be authentic with your friends and revealing like, yeah, I don't have it all together. You're creating the kinds of friendships that you really want, that people know you truly and deeply. So just know that we want to celebrate you, that you are deeply loved and that we're family because that's just the way it is. <laughs> Like we're all the same. We're all family. We can love each other well. So much love. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. We are